This is Carl from N20 Games, and you're listening to Legends of Tabletop. Up, 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 up. Welcome, everybody, to Legends of Tabletop. This is episode 164. We've got Carl from N20 Games. Thank you, sir, for coming on today. How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing well. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Cool, cool. Um, so you are a, a fledgling board game designer. But before we get to that, when did you catch the board game bug? How did, how did you first get involved in, in playing board games in this, in this like modern era? Not like Monopoly and Parcheesi. Like we've all oh. you know, started that as kids, right? Yeah, I mean, I've always been a board gamer, but I guess there were these games that came out. Avalon Hill actually made some more traditional board games, not those little hex and, and token grid mm-hmm. board games. Board games and like, I guess it must have been the late 80s. And I think one of them was called Fortress America. But there were, these, yeah. there were like these three big, big box games. One of them was sort of the ancient Roman Empire. It had these little cities and plastic roads and stuff. For the life of me, I can't remember the name of it, but that's what really got me thinking, oh, I want to make some games like this. And I, I think that was kind of my entry into the modern board game era. Cool. And, and you've been playing board games ever since then? Yes, yes. I've been making board games. There's a picture of me when I was four years old, and my dad used to bring home these big spools of paper. They were about two feet wide. And uh, when they would get to the end, when you would start to see that red strip, he could bring it home from his work. He worked for the New Jersey uh, Highway Commission. And I would roll it out on the floor like 20 feet Long, one foot long strip of paper and I would just start drawing games on them. So I've just been doing it forever, really. That's cool. That's cool. And and we've got the Jersey connection then, which we found out on Twitter the other day. We're, we're right. both uh, Jersey boys. Jersey strong. That's right. Yeah. I like to say our governor can beat up your governor. Well, right. you could when it was Mr. Christie. But. Yeah, well, now you'd probably just eat the other governor. <laughs> Let's not get into uh, politics. Uh, so. Yeah, yeah. We don't we typically don't do that. <laughs> and so New Jersey's so good we both left. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, I always end up going back, man. It's a black hole. It's a little tiny state, but it's got a lot of gravity. Yeah, I don't I man, since I moved out, I think I've been back a grand total of like two times. <laughs> oh, really? I've I've moved all over. I always I think it's like what's that game with the paddle and the rubber ball and it's got that little bungee string? Oh yeah, yeah. That's like the paddle is New Jersey and the red ball is me because I keep going as far as I can. And then like I've been to Seattle, Los Angeles, Boston, Florida. I've been all over the place and I just always end up back in Jersey somehow. All right. Well, we won't hold it against you. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) Well, you're a North Jersey guy too, right? So so Giants and like Knicks and all that stuff or what? Giants, Yankees. I don't watch. I love to play basketball, but I don't really follow it. But I do follow the Yankees and the Giants, and uh, uh, I'm a tennis fan too. But uh, there actually is uh, that one girl from Fairlawn, New Jersey. She's doing pretty well on the women's side of tennis right now. But uh, tennis is more like an international sport, so it's, there's not too much Jersey power going on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it almost makes us bitter rivals and enemies because you're a Giants fan. Of course, I'm, I'm an Eagles fan because I was from South Jersey. Well, I also lived in Philadelphia. 
Okay. So I'm All a right. Phillies we'll and an Eagles fan. Well, here's the weird, really weird thing. I'm a Yankees fan, but I, I'm also a Red Sox fan. Huh. Unless the Red Sox are playing the Yankees, then I just want yeah. them to. Yeah. And the Yankees crushed in the past, these past two games. <laughs> so I was happy about that. Yeah, I'm excited. Um, the Phillies were doing really good. Yeah, the Phillies were. I, I went to a couple of Phillies games way back when they had Mike Schmidt. So I got to see him play. And uh, when I lived in Boston, I worked for a law firm, Bingham, Dana, and Gould. And they, that was a law firm that actually represented the Red Sox. So we got free tickets on the third baseline. It was great. And I went to see a couple of games. And one of them, they played the White Sox when this guy, Carlton Fisk, was on the White Sox. And oh, wow. he was, yeah, he was a former Red Sox. I mean, Red Sox fans loved him. And they cheered for him when he came out, even though he was on the opposing team. It was kind of cool to see that. Right, right. Now on sports talk. <laughs> sports talk. Uh, yeah. So, uh, you know, when you're playing board games and stuff, do you have a, a preferred style? Is there anything that, that kind of meshes with you a little bit more than, than say, some other, you know, you're co a co-op guy? Or are you, you know, more competitive? Do you like solitaire games? Where, where, where do you stand at with all that? Uh, I just – I'll play any game. And I just really – I think it's more about the people around the table than the game itself. And, uh, like, I go down to the game shop, and recently, recently I've been playing Azul, you know, that tile mm -hmm. matching game which I love, but I also love Arkham Horror. And those two games are at complete different ends of the spectrum. For sure. Like this was much fun. I really, uh, what I really like is my Jersey crew of game friends. There was a lot of trash talk around the table. Mm -hmm. I love when you're in a group that knows each other and you know, you're bitter rivals, but you're also best friends and you, the, the trash talk is just blind. That's where I get really my enjoyment from board gaming. See, that's me. I'm like super competitive, but depending on who you're playing with, like you really have to temper that. Like I did a board gaming group, uh, a, a meetup group for a little while at my local library mm -hmm. to go very low key, you know, teaching mm -hmm. games, like this, how it all goes and all that stuff. But like when I play with my brother and I play with, you know, a guy I work with, I converted him to a board gamer. It's like, you know, F you, I'm going to crush you. Like it's trash talk the whole time. I just, I love it. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love that too. I love competitive games. Although I think the, uh, the influx of cooperative games over the past say decade has really kind of changed the mindset of people. I, I sit around the table and sometimes I watch people who, it's almost like they're offended if you make a move that interferes with their plan. But I grew up with games where the object is to be the last survivor around the table, mm -hmm. you know, player elimination way back when that was still a thing. And that's, right. that's a real like faux pas. Like, uh, don't, don't even have that as part of your game anymore. <laughs> but I missed it. It was great to knock somebody out and just look at them and say, can you go get me another donut? You're not playing. So, you know, and while you're in the kitchen, you know. Right. Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't mean, I, I've, I've done a couple of co-ops. It's just, it, it's not my thing. I, I just, I can't really get into that style of game very much. Um, it's okay. Again, you know, it, it's about the people at the table and you're having a good time and it's, you know, it's a right, social right. thing, but. Yeah, exactly. You know, when, when you're playing, I, 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 I want to win. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm with you. I'm, I'm an old school gamer. So I like all styles of games. I like cooperative games, but it's also fun to sit around the table and beat up on each other sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Um, you have anything that's hitting your table hard these days? Stuff that you're, you're you know, particular game or, or a bunch of games that you're really into? Actually, since I've lived in Florida, I have not had a place to, or even a table to play games on in my house. I, I uh, live with two other guys here in a house in Melbourne, Florida, and uh, I have to go down to the game shop to play games. So I'm really just playing what 
it's kind of that, like, what do you guys want to play tonight? But you know what I played for the first time just about two months ago was uh, Valeria Kingdoms. No, just Valeria Card Kingdoms or whatever it's called. And that I've been having a lot of fun playing that lately. Okay, cool. Yeah, and you have any good uh, good shops near where the house is? Actually, there are two really good shops. The one that's closest to me is called Dogs of War. And that's kind of like, it's hard to explain. You, I call it lived in because you go in there and there's just stuff all over. There's minis out. People are painting minis in the back room. People are playing all those big Warhammer type war games. I don't play those, but I love to watch them. I've been playing this game there called Witchborn. The boards for it are actually printed on these rollout vinyl mats that are like five feet by five feet square. And uh, so there's all kinds of things. And on Friday night, you go down there and there's more traditional board gaming going on. So that's it's usually when I go to play board games is on a Friday night. And we'll, we'll play two or three different games. I played Imperial Settlers the other day. And uh, there's another one, another game store in what's called West Melbourne. And that place is huge. It's, it was a comic book store and a game store located near each other they joined forces and opened one big shop and in the back there's like 30 tables they have huge magic tournaments there and it's set up really it's like i call it the walmart of game stores <laughs> you could literally you could really if you're a serious game board board game fan you could just go in there and browse for like 45 minutes and not see all the games that they've got on the shelf well that's cool that, that's good to hear i mean I, we're out I'm a big proponent on the podcast of going in and, you know, supporting your local stores. I mean, it's a lot of times you could find stuff cheaper on Amazon or cool mini. I will occasionally buy stuff online and I'm not, you know, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes you just got to go. I, I just picked up a uh, Porta Nigra. Um, I it came across Twitter. Somebody was, I guess somebody had played and was like, Oh, this is great. We haven't played this in forever. And somebody posted like, Hey, it's like $8 on cool, cool stuff, Inc. And I'm like, well, mm-hmm. eight bucks, that sounds like a really good deal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's it was amazing, like $15 that, you know, at the end of the week, it was back up to like 60 some odd dollars, you know? So I'm like, I can't, I can't justify spending 60 if I can get it for 15. I mean, at, at some point it's just got to break, but it, it's good to always get to the store and, you know, throw some ducats their way and, and, you know, make sure that they stay open because, Otherwise, you're left with just online, and that's not you, you don't meet people at. Well, I mean, we meet this way, right? right. But understood, yeah. You know, for, yeah, for playing think, board games, it's not optimal. <laughs> right, right, yeah. I think a brick and mortar game store is kind of like a community hub for gamers. You don't get that online. Mm-hmm. Sure, people play games on Hangouts or Skype or or whatever platform they want, but it's a little bit different when everybody can get together and just talk to each other face to face, even if you're not playing a game all the gamers and then of course it's it's great networking you know it's it's cool to meet people through tweets and videos and whatnot but uh i still think there's nothing like that the interpersonal or in-person exchange yeah for sure and 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 for um for rpgs too we were talking about a little bit before we before we got started all of my rpg gaming is now online for the podcast i don't have a a, a group in meet space as it were uh, and it is, it's a different, it's a different feel. It's still fun. It's enjoyable. You get to hang out. You know, I have friends, you know, all over the country and we get together for a couple hours and, you know, we get to play games, but it, it is a different feel for sure. It, it just yeah. doesn't have that same sense. No, I, I know exactly what you mean. It's like being a group of adventurers in a dungeon together or like going through a dungeon online. What would you rather do? Mm-hmm. So Actually, the last RPG I ran online was um, I had a guy from Finland, a guy from South Korea, and a guy in Toronto, Canada. And I was wow. in um, I was in Bridgewater, New Jersey. 
So <laughs> I thought that was really cool that, the, you know, the online capabilities and uh, the online networking is amazing what it can, what it can bring together. Yeah, it, it, it's really awesome to be able to do that because you get to meet so many interesting people and like be able to share that experience. It's really cool. I mean, the, the technology is, makes it worthwhile. And, yeah, and if, I'll tell you, there's a really interesting dude. His, his channel name on Twitter is Runeslinger. Mm -hmm. This guy does, he does an unboxing and you're just mystified watching it. The guy, he's, he's really uh, very intellectual and uh, introspective when he talks about gaming and, and techniques of running RPGs and exploring all the different potential variables that you can explore within an RPGs. But I highly recommend checking out his uh, channel and going to his YouTube channel, checking his videos. Cool. I have to go back and pull that and throw it in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. He's the guy in South Korea that I ran. Okay, cool. Um, so you, you were saying before that, that you like to GM. Uh, what, mm. What's the most fun game that you've run? What, what's your favorite system for RPGs? Well, Vampire the Masquerade. I ran a campaign for my game group up in Boston years ago, and uh, I used the uh, Chicago by Night book. I think it was second edition. And oh. uh, that's just like a, like one of my favorite uh, games. But I also, I made my own RPG. It's about seven books altogether, probably more than a thousand pages. Yeah, it's, it's huge. And I ran that for about 12 years, 12 or 14 years altogether. Holy cow. And we ran this campaign called the Dawn Wars, the Dawn Swords. And I ran it for the Boston group and we got all the way to the end when they like battled the gods at the end. And then I ran it for my Jersey crew. But that game got about 80% of the way through the story. And I think like one of the guys moved to Kentucky and it just kind of broke up. So I didn't get to finish that whole campaign for them. So I think to answer your question, I love the Vampire of the Masquerade setting and then fantasy, anything fantasy, if it's D&D &D or whatever. Cool, cool. Is that something that maybe we'll see on Kickstarter in the future? No, that's going <laughs> to remain my hobby. Uh, yeah. But there's a whole work on it. And, yeah, I just slap stuff in there at, at a whim and it's got, uh, oh man, I, I can't even start on it because it's just so... <laughs> It's a behemoth at this point. Fair. That's fair. About seven books, it's, it's quite a lot. Of <laughs> yeah, it's, it's huge. And I created my, whole, my own world and maps and politics and cultures and histories. And, you know, that's the fun of making an RPG and just yeah. doing it at my leisure pace. I think if I put it on Kickstarter, I would eventually hate it. <laughs> yeah. Well, then you're, then you're, yeah, you're stuck having to, like, get things out on time and, you mm -hmm. know. All that kind of stuff. And and it's funny you should say Kickstarter because you have something on Kickstarter now, although I guess maybe I brought it up first, but eh, we'll just, whatever. Uh, you have a game called Don't Flip a Ninja. So uh, what's Don't Flip a Ninja all about? It's kind of a, it's a memory game. And the idea is it's like the old classic concentration game where you flip over two things and then you would get those things. You would collect them as a set. But in Don't Flip a Ninja, if, when you make a match, the cards get discarded and you refill the spots on the board uh, from a draw deck. And the whole idea is that you're trying to capture four ninjas before you either die from wounds or the little, this little ninja pawn that moves along gets into the castle. And I think the most fun, I, I feel like I didn't really represent the game uh, the way I should have when I got the Kickstarter launched because it's not, it's not just about flipping cards and making matches and then doing what the little card tells you to do. It's kind of like, especially when there's three or four people playing and you flip over some cards and they go back face down and then later on in the game, you flip over a 
ninja and you need to capture it. Now, everybody else at the table might know which card is a samurai and that will capture the ninja, but they're not allowed to say anything when it's another person's turn. You're not allowed to point and say, so that person might start reaching down and they might start reaching for a card that you know is a shuriken or a trap card or something like that. And all you can do is sit there and be like, <laughs> and you only have one life left. And that's when the game gets really fun when we're sitting around the table playing it and like you have one life left to go or the ninja's one space outside of getting into the castle and the guy sitting across the table from you is reaching across and he's about to flip over a ninja card and you can't say anything and you're just like you're grabbing your temples and the body language starts going crazy <laughs> and then the dude's like what what should i flip this one and you're just like waving your hands around so i tried to i'm trying to make a video right now to kind of represent that a little bit better and so we'll see what happens because the campaign it's it's going slowly so i'm really i'm trying to find different ways to push it and get get more attention and maybe appeal to a a broader audience or a different audience or the same audience but appealing by appealing in a different way so we'll see what happens sure now did you do like the full media blitz obviously you're on with us tonight and i'm, I'm sure you'll be talking with kurt but uh are, are you getting out there and doing a lot of podcasts and all that sort of stuff i know you did the uh, the contest for uh, a week yeah or so. not yet it's been mostly just grassroots so far but i do have board game geek banners ready for like the middle of the campaign and uh i'm kind of weighing it if the cost benefit will be there or not i do have i have a ton of board games that i've made and several years ago i actually did a kickstarter that was successful uh for a game called uh, crime lords of night city but that game when i made it i was actually living at my sister's house in time i was transitioning i was it was just before i moved to florida and i was mm -hmm. kind of running out of time because i was getting ready to go on this hike on the appalachian trail and uh, my brother-in-law was helping me out and we put it up on Kickstarter and the game wasn't quite finished yet, but I was like, okay, it's so close. It's gonna be ready by, you know, I hired an artist and it, the game looks nice and everything and the concept is good. In fact, I'd like to redevelop it. And it was successful, but after it was successful, I just was like, okay, we're gonna have to ship this game. And I didn't really feel like it was 100% done, but it, it was completely playable. You know, you take it out of the box, you can play, you can win and lose and no problems. But it wasn't really as polished. And after that, I felt a little bit, disappointed like i didn't really deliver uh, what i wanted to deliver i delivered a playable functioning game but uh i took a few years off of gaming after i hiked and I, when i came back to uh, down to florida maybe a year and a half or two and then i kind of got bit by the bug again and i've taken all my old board games and i've got a slate of about six in a row that i want to bring to kickstarter and don't flip an engine it's just i figured this will be the first one because i thought it appealed to a broad base it was inexpensive very accessible and uh i know my friends kids love it they're always like daddy let's play the ninja game let's play the ninja game you know they'll play the game and like they'll flip over a samurai and capture a ninja and like wave the samurai card in the air and jump around the room like ah stupid ninja stupid ninja <laughs> and that as a game designer you love to see that that's the real reward right uh, yeah i i mean some people complain you know, like, oh, it, it's a Euro, you know, or nothing, or it's, you know, this this kind of game or a certain style of game. Um, the way I do most of my gaming, you know, it's either, you know, here at the house after dinner for a little bit, or, you know, we play at lunch every day mm -hmm. uh, at work. So, like, time is is of the essence. So, like, a game that's, you know, like, I have Shogun or, uh, yeah, Shogun, the big box of Shogun sitting on the, uh, on the shelf, but... I play it at a con, you know, maybe twice a year if I bring it to teach it because mm -hmm. can't play a three-hour game at work. So, no. <laughs> those, those are like, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. 
I, I was going to say the lighter uh, filler games are, are good because we can play something like uh, Through the Desert, which may take like a half an hour and then play something like Don't Flip a Ninja and we can get, you know, another game or two games in, you know, relatively quickly and, you know, still have enough time for lunch and all that other stuff. So, like, I enjoy a good filler game, um, you know, and, and if, you know, if you're doing heavy RPGs and stuff like that, hey, you know, some Bob calls and he's going to be, you know, a half an hour late. You pull out something like Don't Flip a Ninja and you can play two games before, you know, mm-hmm. before Bob bothers to show up. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, that's exactly where Don't Flip a Ninja fits. It's kind of like the game you play while you're waiting for everybody to show up mm-hmm. or like before you take all the parts out of your Arkham Horror or Gloomhaven box. You want to just let's get a couple of games of this in before we get totally locked down, you know. Right, or gets towards the end of game night, and it's you know you don't have enough time to break out like another big you know mm-hmm. another big game, so you you know you pull out some of the smaller filler stuff. Yeah, exactly. Cool, and 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 what's the story behind the game? Well, actually, I've always been a fan of martial art films, um, uh, you know, like Hong Kong action films from the eighties and nineties, especially I loved, and uh, just even to this day, any, anything martial arts, and I did, don't really have a particular fascination with ninjas or anything, but there's a Japanese band called Kanaboon, and they made this video called Full Drive, and I was watching it, and it's kind of like an action. There's these two guys fighting and chasing this girl in the video, and uh, I was watching it, and I was like, man, they, they should make a game where, like, and these guys are doing, like, parkour and whatnot, and I don't know, somehow the idea for the game came while I was watching that video, although the action in the video is not really related to ninjas or anything, but when I, while I was watching it, I was like, oh, this game about ninjas flipping cards and blah, blah, blah. And then by the time the video was over, I just started scribbling on a piece of paper. And about four weeks later, it was like the basic idea for the game was all done. And I started to develop it from there. Cool. Very cool. Uh, so I, I'm assuming we're probably about the same age then, right? So did you did you uh, grow up doing uh, like Sunday Kung Fu? They always had uh, like Black Belt Theater on Saturday. Yeah. I always had a double feature martial arts um martial arts movies like the Shaw Brothers movies and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And I had a, I lived in uh, Connecticut at the time. I was in high school. And uh, my friend Steve and I actually went to the lumber yard and had bow staffs cut. Nice. And, uh, yeah. and we went to his house and he had this this big house. And when you drove up to the garage, it looked like you if you were on the roof, it looked like you know you're up on top of the roof of this two story house. But the way his the land on his his, the way his property kind of rolled behind his house, if you fell off the back of the roof, you only fell about three feet and you hit oh. the ground. It was really weird. So we once we were standing on top of the roof and we had choreographed this whole fight and we called our girlfriends to come over. So they come driving up the driveway and we're like, now go. And we do this whole fake staff fight on the roof and then like fall off the back of the roof. And we could hear the girls screaming their heads off. And they come running around the back of the house. And of course, we're just laying on the ground, knocking <laughs> our butts off. And so, yeah, so I was always... Just a total martial arts nerd, if you will. That's awesome. I, I remember there used to be like a whole series of ninja movies uh, mm-hmm. in the 80s, like, you know, Return of the Ninja and Enter the Ninja, whatever. All I'd, it was uh, all the yeah. same actor. Uh, oh, man, they were some of them were really bad, like American Ninja or whatever it was. Yeah. yeah. It's great when they get a, a real athlete to be in a movie because, you know, they're, they're not an actor, but I love those movies anyway. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Well, so if you haven't seen um, Bedrock Games, uh, it's uh, bed, at Bedrock Games on, on Twitter. Uh, Brendan Davis, he's been on the show. That, that Not only does he do um, RPG, 
but they also talk about martial arts movies. So oh. it might be something to check out. I throw a link for him in the show notes too, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shoot me a message with that because I don't want to forget yeah. that. That's cool. They did. Uh, the last thing they were looking at was uh, Finger of Doom on the 15th. Finger of Doom. Sounds yeah, good. So they talk about it on the podcast. It's pretty cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Plus, I'm going to Japan in May. Nice. So, yeah. I uh, I want to go so bad for the uh, for the Cherry Blossom Festival. I know. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna be too late for that. But uh, it's yeah. like April, March, March, April. By the time I get there, it's probably all gonna be over. <clears throat> I know it depends on the the area in Japan that you go to because it kind of rolls down the island. Yeah. Man, one of these days that like I. Just to be there, just to experience that, to like mm-hmm. soak in that that atmosphere, just has to be amazing. Yeah, it's so beautiful. I've seen so many videos of, of the parties that they have, like these picnic type parties out in the cherry blossoms. It looks great. And you're right, the uh, the cherry blossoms change the same way sort of New England fall colors change. It starts up in Maine and then it rolls down through the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, I was looking at the, the Kickstarter before before we jumped on. Did you um, go with a shorter campaign length? It seemed like... 21 like, days. 21, okay. A I'm only bit. trying to raise uh, $1,700. So I thought, you know, why... I didn't think it was a lot until I've, it's stalled out a little bit. Now I'm like, oh, my God, am I going to make it? But uh, I figured why have a whole... Let it draw out for a whole month because the game is pretty much complete once the Kickstarter is over. All I have to do is fill out the uh, the CSV form, which is like a database, base, a spreadsheet, and mm-hmm. give it to the printer, and the game is gonna will ship almost immediately. So I figured I would just do it for 21 days and get people our game as quickly as possible. Right. So I know some Kickstarter projects, it's like you'll get your game by like August of 2021. I'm like I I, I would be uh, I don't I can't support games like that because I don't have the patience to wait, even as much as I might love the game. I'm like, oh my God, I, I just can't wait. I Plus, if you support a lot of games aren't, aren't gonna come out for a year or two, you're gonna be getting all these updates all the time. And I'm just like, oh, I, I really wanna support it, but but I don't. Yeah. I support, I, I, oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, I've been a part of a couple of those where it's you know, maybe nine months out and then it winds up being about a year, maybe hmm. 14 months. <laughs> Oh, I, I lose it. I had a. I suffered from uh, ADHD when I was young, like real clinical ADHD. I was on Ritalin till I was about twelve, hmm. and, and to this day, I don't. I'm not on any medication anymore or anything. But to this day, I just, I don't have that kind of patience. Like I'm just, I'm always ready to go on to the next thing and just bing, 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 bing. So if I was sitting there waiting two years for something to come in the mail, it, I think it would drive me crazy. And I think that's why I, I can't, like, pull the trigger on supporting games that I, I have to wait for. It has nothing to do with the game, just my own personal lack of patience, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, it is kind of like Christmas. You come home and there's a, just a box sitting on the porch. You're like, what the hell is that? Oh, crap. I remember I ordered oh, that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's probably a cool surprise. That's fun to come home one day and find a box and be like, oh, yeah, I supported this game. I forgot about it. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I've a lot of games on Kickstarter with no reward because I see all these projects that I really like and I just want to help. The, the guy or girl who's developing the game or presenting the project, or they make this great funny video. And I'm like, oh, that was cool. And I'll, I'll throw five, 10 bucks at it, a couple bucks, depending on the project. Cause I just, I can't, not only do I not have space for all the games I would want to back, 
but it would, my budget would be like yeah <laughs> i i uh i i choose you know i like i'm i'm not a a guy that goes into the store and's like oh this looks good i'm just gonna buy it i'm i'm on instagram i'm on twitter i'm i'm on board game geek i'm looking up reviews and playthroughs mm-hmm. and stuff like you know if you're gonna spend 50 or 60 bucks on a game like I don't want to just grab that on a whim. I want to be pretty sure that's something I want to play. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. It, it's worth doing a little bit of investigation. Yeah, I mean, there's just so many cool things to choose from. Oh, there's the, it being a board gamer these days is just, it's a glorious thing. I got to tell you, it's, it's like what they call an embarrassment of riches. Yeah. yeah. Something for everybody, and there's so many good games at so many price levels, and it's just something for everybody. Yeah. When when we first started doing the podcast, and I, you know, we'd start to interview people, and we're like, "Oh yeah, I've got you know like nine hundred games, or I have, you know, sixteen hundred games, and like, you know, we haven't even played this game in four years." I'm like, "How is that possible?" And then mm-hmm. you start playing board games, and you're like, "Shit, I've got like one hundred and fifty games already." Like, <laughs> well, let me ask you a question: Do you have any games still in the shrink wrap? I do not. I I do not have a stack of shame. I think I've played everything in the house. <laughs> Yeah, that uh, about a year ago, I remember somebody posting like, this is my list of games still in the shrink wrap. And some of them were like three years old. I'm like, oh, that poor game. I feel bad for the game, you know, like sad, poor game. It's like the Island of Misfit Toys, you know, it's just sitting on the shelf. If it could cry, it would. would Play me, please play me. (laughs) I I think we're we're a little bit more consistent this year. so I know a lot of people track their plays. There's apps for for all that kind of stuff and game length and wins and losses and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, ah, I don't like I, who care? Like, you know, you win, you rub it in whoever, you know, whoever's face you're playing and kind of move on till the next time. And then I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm gonna do it this year. So I created a chart. I went through, listed all the games and stuff. So, you know, as we're going through the year, I'm like, crap, you know, we've played, you know, Crusaders. 12 times already but we haven't played you know uh, tigris and euphrates so shit let me grab that off the shelf and we'll play that instead and then it gets a chance to mix things up a little bit and uh, I, not very many things that i play. like i know sometimes people will be like oh i gotta call the collection because we just don't play xyz and i have some things play just from time perspective very often uh, but I don't think there's very many things that I would just be like, yeah, I don't really want that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a guy, oh gosh, but I, I hate to bring this up cause I can't remember the name of his YouTube channel, but he does these videos called exit interviews, <laughs> like the games that he's taking out of his collection. And he actually mm-hmm. talks about why these perfectly good. And even sometimes new games are leaving his collection. I guess he sells it on eBay or maybe, I don't know exactly what he does, but. Uh, it's kind of interesting to hear because he, he talks about his reasoning and his rationale behind getting rid of the game. And I love watching if somebody has a board gaming YouTube channel, that's really where I like to sit like you, like it started with investigating, seeing a game and then going to try to see some playthroughs or some how to play videos. And then I just really got into it. I let's like listen to the people talk about it. And sometimes I let the videos play while I'm working on my own project. Mm-hmm. And I think it kind of just feeds my own imagination and sort of my own aspirations, even as a game designer. Because kind of like you're watching them and they're all enthusiastic about a game. And you're even though you're just watching a video, you kind of vicariously share in that enthusiasm. And it gets me all hyped about the games I'm working on. Like, oh, I want to make somebody feel like that. 
I want right. someone to make a video of one of my games where like, oh, last night I was playing this game and Joe did this and Mary did that and blah, blah, blah. And we, oh, it was great. And so anyway, I lost my train of thought, but <laughs> that's so nothing new. You're right. <laughs> when you're uh, so when you're playing, you know, all these various board games, being a designer yourself, do you, you know, start to like look at certain mechanisms and, you know, kind of like file things away for a later like, oh, that's interesting. I like that in this game. I wonder if I could marry that with this other thing from this other game and then just kind of like start to roll that way. Yes, yes, <clears throat> absolutely. I think just about any game designer does that because uh, you'll be playing a game and halfway through the game. Some event happens or some card gets drawn, an event card, and it says this and that happens. And you look at it and you go, wow, that would be really cool if it was in this setting or themed this way. Or if it was in a worker placement game, wouldn't that be interesting to do it this way? And uh, so, yeah, it's kind of like um, triggers, I call it, when you're playing a game and you're going through and you're, you're immersed in the game and you're immersed in the game. And all of a sudden something happens and all of a sudden you start like on this daydream. And uh, you'll start developing a game in your head and somebody across the table will be like, hey, Carl, Carl, <laughs> Carl, it's your turn. What? Oh, sorry. You know, you just get lost in thought. And I think if you're a designer, that probably happens a lot. Yeah. Do you, do you keep a moleskin with you when you're playing board games or, or you know, scrap paper or anything? Or? No, no, I don't go quite that far. I I just hope it's like a dream. You know, you wake up and you, and you either act on what you dream, dreamt or you forget about it. So I tend to go home from like a board game night and I'll get in front of my laptop and I'll actually just start making components right away. Like I'll open up a, a, an art program and I'll just start making stuff and I'll save it. And that'll be my note, you know, instead of writing pages of notes, I'll just make a little mock-up thing and, uh, and save it and then go from there. That's pretty cool. That's got to be convenient. You come back and you're like, shit, I did half the work already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely, a, I, I work more visually. Like I like to make little, I wish my camera was working because I have all these little pieces of paper here on my desk all the time with little doodles I draw of the games because I just like to draw, like I'll start drawing the board and I'll start, draw, say I'm going to make a game with some characters in it. I'll start drawing the character template or something and I'll start there with instead of the rules. And I'll be like, oh, I want to get characters to do this and that and the other thing. And I'll think up the five stats that they'll have and, and the names of the characters. And once I have all that stuff, I kind of then the game kind of blossoms out of that. Sure. Yeah, it helps to inform the rest of it then. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a little backwards, I think, than tr traditional. But uh, one thing you learn about life by the time you're like, like you said, we're the same age, is that there is really no traditional. Everybody does their own thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah, you half, you know. Yep, yep, for sure. Now, uh, you, you found your, your artist um, online, Isaac Ambrose. I got to tell you, the art reminds me, it has a very munchkin-y feel, like that sort yeah. of facial expressions and stuff. I, I, when I first saw you start posting stuff, I'm like, oh, is that a new, no, it's not a munchkin. What the hell is that? <laughs> no, yeah, his name is Itzak Ambrose, like you said, and he's from Hungary. And uh, I saw some of his art, I think, uh, where was I? I was online at the Game Crafter, actually. And they have a link where you can look at some art resources. And I was just kind of flipping through it because I was thinking I wanted to hire an artist to do art for this game. And I saw these three pictures that he put up there. I was like, oh, my gosh, that's it. And then I contacted him on email. Super nice guy. And he's so fast. But good. You know, sometimes somebody's good, but they take a long time or they're really fast. But you can tell they're working too fast. Yeah. yeah. He, he like knocks this stuff out and it looks great. And I really uh, something like you said, it is Munchkin-esque. It's in that that family of art. And uh and I just thought it would work perfectly for the game, and it did. Yeah, very cool, very cool. 
And the, so you said you had a, a successfully funded Kickstarter before, um, mm -hmm. but it had been a little while. Was it like a whole like different beast to like jump back into Kickstarter again? I mean, was it something where you're like, oh crap, let me kind of have to start over from scratch and kind of like figure out what's the best day to launch and like all these different different aspects of it? Yeah, I did do all that research and actually, uh, do you know Subquark Publishing? He does the Mint 10 games, like Mint 10 Powers and stuff. Yep. David Miller has been, he's practically been like my mentor through this. Uh, I've really become good friends with him on Twitter and he is a, uh, a resource like you can't imagine. He's done a lot of really successful Kickstarters. And uh, he's, he gave me suggestions of things to read and to research. And I, I've been doing that. And although I did launch on a Monday, and just today he was talking to, to me about how they'd say Tuesday or Wednesday is the best day. But um, it's uh, it to answer your question, yeah, it was like jumping back into a different pool because I did the other Kickstarter so long ago that when I started this one up, I had to still, I went back and I still had to re-research uh, you know, best practices and whatnot, and the, the terms of service with Kickstarter. And, and so it really was kind of like a whole new starting, not just starting over, but starting something completely new. Right. Well, from the time that you, you know, probably released the first game until now, there's probably been so many changes just to the, mm -hmm. to the, to the market as it were for, you know, through Kickstarter. I mean, there's so many board games and, uh, uh, and card games and all that stuff on there. It's really, Man, it's really cool to be able to be a part of that and just to see and, and to help people bring, you know, their their baby to life, you know, mm -hmm. and like, you know, uh, don't flip an engine. It's, it's 16 bucks. It's free shipping. I mean, it's 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 nothing. I mean, you know, like it's it's just not boom here. Let's just do it. You know, <laughs> Yeah, it is, it is very ex inexpensive game. And, uh, you know, people request it, uh, request me to bring the game with me when I go down to the game shop. So it's, uh, you know, people like it, but. Uh, I have to find a way to really get the campaign to catch fire. That That's the trick with Kickstarter. And the, the nightmare of Kickstarter is every time I go on Kickstarter to work on the campaign a little bit or research, I see some thumbnail. I'm like, oh, that game looks cool. And there goes another <laughs> couple of bucks. I'll back this. I'll back that. Always, so I try to stay a little bit away from it. Like, oh, if I go on there, I'm going to back five different games. Oh, my God. For a while, I was going through and I'd be like, right, cool. Go to game section. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Oh, this looks good. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That one scroll scroll. Oh, remind me of this one. <laughs> you know, I but I, I I like to throw, like I said before, you know, a few dollars at the projects I like and then buy the occasional one that just really looks like it hits the sweet spot for me. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's it's certainly a rabbit hole. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's a good word for it, exactly. All right. Um, so are, do you have anything else that you're working on? I know you just said you had uh, six other projects or anything you want to talk about, or is that like all under wrap stuff and like, Hey, I'm working on stuff. So like catch you later. Oh, no, uh, no, I don't mind. I'm, I am working on a game right now. The one that's going to follow, uh, don't flip a ninja. Although I'm pretty focused on don't flip a ninja right now. I'm not, you know, I don't want this other project to get me off the track, but it's a pirate themed game. And it's a it's a much heavier game. It's more of a hobbyist level game, I would say. And uh, it combines combat and adventure gaming. It's it's kind of hard to describe a game without being able to uh, get more specific. But uh, it's a game I actually made about five years ago, and it was just a basic, simple game. I had it on the Game Crafter for a while. And since then, I've played it so much that now that original game, like all the cards are written on with Sharpie markers and things mm -hmm. are crossed out. And I just finally just 
it had changed so much and became this really interesting thing to me. I said, I'm just going to rebuild it. Um, with, it it's, it's kind of been under development all this time, I should say. And now I'm rebuilding it with the proper components and stuff. So I don't have to draw on the cards with a Sharpie marker. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I'm going to put that on Kickstarter. And this one I'm going to put on Kickstarter because I want to make it with tiles and, you know, high grade components and whatnot and really do a real serious production on it. Cool. Very cool. Um, are you planning on any other Kickstarters for the year? Is that something we're looking towards more maybe next year? I think that'll go up this year. It will probably, after I get back from Japan at, at the beginning of June, middle of June, I'm going to really dive into it. I think I'll probably have a, uh, I'll probably print out a prototype of it, like a first print prototype before I leave. It's that close to being ready, but then it's going to take a little bit of sitting down and playing with it and, uh, getting some play test groups around it. But um, like I said, I made the game years ago and it's kind of been developing ever since and evolving mm -hmm. and changing. I actually have components with post-it notes on with it because for the changes I've made. So it's really all about just rebuilding the physical game as far as the rule and writing the rule book in a comprehensive way that other humans can understand except <laughs> besides me. Right, right. <laughs> and and do you have success at the store with going in and being able to play test? Are they supportive of that at, at your local stores? Yeah, very, very much so. In fact, the the one store up in uh, West Melbourne on a Thursday, if you go in on a Thursday night and sit at one of the tables, it's like it's just an all open gaming night. If you take out a prototype or something, people will walk up and be like, oh, hey, that looks cool. Can I try that? And you're like, yeah, sure. Sit down. So, yeah, I think the community of gamers, people just like to play games. You know, and uh, since you all have the gaming bug in common, it's really easy to just hit it off with somebody and build a rapport. And, and I think, uh, you know, gamers are curious there. So they're always interested in seeing new things. Yeah, we're always looking for the next, like, cool thing to play with. <laughs> I got to go to my game dealer. Right, right. I need some market placement right now, man. I'm going to freak out. <laughs> that, that's why the meetup is a good and a bad thing, right? It gives you that first little taste. You're like, sure, you could come. It's free. Play some games with us. It's a lot of fun. And you run out like a junkie with a list full of games and stuff you want to buy. You're trolling eBay and, you know, mm -hmm. dogging people at the game store. <laughs> yeah, I want to find that kid. I was sitting in the guidance office at, in high school. I was sent to the office again, of course. And he sits at this table and he's reading a book. I'm like, what's that? He goes, oh, you never played Dungeons and Dragons? Here, let me show you how to play. That was it, man. It's like you said, talk about rabbit holes, Dungeons and Dragons, wow. <laughs> yep, it's just, it's so big right now. I gotta tell you, I mean, we play, I mean, I'm in another podcast uh, and it's a, it's a, a 5e podcast. I don't know. It's I don't know that it's my favorite system anymore. And I, I don't know. It's like grumpy old guy, like everybody plays it. So I just don't want to like it sort of thing. Cause I don't think it's that. Um, it's, it's, it's really binary, right? Like in a certain regard, like it's, it's a combat based thing. And, you know, the new edition um, has, you know, better hooks for, for role-playing and background stuff. And they, they certainly encourage those aspects more. Mm -hmm. I think, comes down to it it's still a combat game right everybody's probably going to yell later but <laughs> no i mean it there's a lot of rules for handling the combat a lot more than handling anything else <clears throat> if you don't count uh thematic or what they call fluff you know the histories and the backstories and uh i i agree about fifth edition i think there's too many rules there's a rule for everything 
that used to be there were a few rules in a role-playing game and you knew how the stats worked and how you hit a monster with a weapon and, and resolve damage. And then everything else, you were just winging it. You know, you and the GM were just kind of forging your own kind of a game. But today, it's much more susceptible to rules lawyering. Like if the GM wants to just kind of wing it and go and, you know, the action is moving and it's kinetic and fast and it's dynamic and he just wants to start going, somebody might stop and say, yeah, but on page 142, it says that I can do this with a plus five. And you're like, okay, well, that's not what I'm, I'm, it's like, you're not trying to deny the person this thing. You're just trying to keep the action going and the story flowing and you skip over some rule and somebody can be like, well, you know, look at paragraph eight. Yeah. I, I can neither confirm nor deny that that may have been me at various points. <laughs> <laughs> well, rules lawyers can be good too. I have this one guy I play with and he remembers, he'll remember the page, paragraph, and line that a rule is on. So, you know, every, anytime you're playing a game, sometimes you want to look something up. Somebody forgets uh, some aspect of a spell they cast or whatever. And he'll just be like, oh, yeah, it's on page 82, uh, fourth spell down, left column. It says this. So I appreciate that that sort of eidetic knowledge or memory that he has. And uh, as long as it doesn't get interfere with the fun, it's fine to me. Yeah, I, I think it, the more that we play, the, the more I'm a fan of a session zero for RPGs. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously, we're all getting together to play games and have a good time. But like, what's the tone of the campaign? What's the, you know, where are we going? Are we doing a cohesive party? Are we doing, uh, you know, a party that's maybe an antithetical to each other? Are we, mm -hmm. do, you know, like just to kind of set the, the ground, the ground rules? Like, are we going raw? Are we going, you know, more free form? Are we like, like, what, what are we doing? And then everybody... Yeah. Like, then you have that buy and be like, okay, cool. We're not doing raw. We're going to do fast and loose. We're going to like just wing it. We're going to do it on the fly. Um, then you can't really complain later because you agreed to that, you know? And today I think they call it the social contract. Have you heard that term? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Where you set the boundaries and the parameters and expectations and whatnot. And yeah, uh, yeah I love that part of the game. Pulling pull it all together like that. That's great. That's one of the best parts of the, any campaign are those, that first session it used to be in the old days somebody would come in we're playing D&D. did anybody make a cleric no okay i'm gonna be the cleric because <laughs> <laughs> so, nobody uh, ever made a cleric <laughs> oh, I, anybody make a thief you made a thief you know i like to play a thief yeah okay I'll, I'll make i'll be the cleric or i'll be this or and then of course uh what's call it came out that uh the book with the barbarian and the cavalier in it and i had this one player totally hooked on the cavalier he just thought it was like the coolest thing ever and some of those classes were a little bit broken. Like they rolled a hit and roll for damage. So how much damage did you do? 143. Well, you're only third level. What are you talking about? Oh, it's a barbarian. I did 143 damage. Like, yeah. okay. I can do this and this thing, and then it triggers this ability. So it means I can do this. Yeah. yeah. The dragon explodes yeah. when I get stab it with my dagger. Yeah. Once you get, after you get out of like the core, set and then the longer that the additions out and the more and more splat books it starts to get a little a little wonky after that yeah every game is a franchise now i mean and they have to be because once the market is saturated with the core books you have to keep a revenue stream coming in so mm -hmm. you have to keep putting all this stuff out as superfluous superfluous as some of it might seem yeah that's that's the company has to do that i don't blame them yeah, I mean, it's, you know, if, if they're not making money, we don't have games to play. I mean, exactly. unless you're playing yeah. your first edition, your second edition, all that stuff mm -hmm. that, you know, we treasure is like, oh, this is, you know, when I started, you know, with second edition, and this is just like the best edition and whatever. Right, right. 
uh, like just play it, play all of it. Just give me all of it. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, it's like um, it's like board games with expansions. You know, there's just they're always they're almost built to have expansion material. I've written a lot of screenplays. I've had a couple of them produced, but whenever you pitch a screenplay, when you're done with the pitch, invariably the producer you're talking to will say, "Okay, so what's the franchise?" And they want you to tell them what the next two movies are, even uh, even when you're just in the pitch session for the first screenplay. So screenwriters these days have to keep that in mind mm-hmm. because that they're going to get asked. So what's the even if it's a drama? So what happens after that? Does he come back from the dead? <laughs> yeah. It's a drama. It's not a zombie movie. It's a drama. Well, you probably thank Star Wars for that, right? I mean, that's like ushers in the era of you know big blockbuster and sequels mm-hmm. and stuff. I mean, they were, I think they were the first real movie to do that. Yeah. I mean, the first movie, it's chapter four. And the first thing that comes on the screen is chapter four. So mm-hmm. it's like, okay, so where's chapters one, two, and three and five, six, seven, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Well, we won't talk about one, two, three. They weren't, uh, they weren't that great. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, everybody's got their favorite, I guess. I like all the, all of them for one reason or another, but I think the first three, probably for nostalgic reasons are still my favorite. Yeah, I mean, I, I saw Star Wars in the drive-in when it first came out. Like, yeah, as a, me too, as a me little, too. You know, mm-hmm. but like they had, you know, characters dressed up as you're driving into the, you know, get your tickets and all that stuff. It's like, wow, this is so cool, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, remember, I think I was in sixth grade. I remember my friend. I asked him what he was doing. He says, "Oh, I'm going to see that movie Star Wars." And I looked at the ad for it in the newspaper. And I was like, "This looks so stupid." And then I saw it and I was just, I was probably just, my eyes were probably just pinned wide open the whole time. I was like, oh my gosh, robots, robots. Yeah. But I I guess we all suffer from that, right? So like, it's always the first of something is always the best of something, right? I mean, that's just, it's the way we're wired, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It is rare that if you were to ask me right now, a sequel that's better than an original movie, I probably couldn't tell you off the top of my head. It's just so rare. Empire. Empire was great. Yeah. Yeah, that was a great movie. Probably the, the John best. Wick movies are good. Are you, do you watch the John Wick movies? I, I haven't. My brother loves them. Um, he's like, oh, I was watching this thing, and it's got the kill count and blah, 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 whatever. I'm like, all right, I mean, I guess that's that's fine. I it's get it. <laughs> it's pretty hardcore, yeah. It's not for everybody, that's for sure. I, I have, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. I, just have, I have such a hard time taking um, Reeves seriously. You know, just from the days and like that that stoner affect that he has, it's so hard to to picture him as a killer. You know? Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. He's, be excellent to each other, Bill and Ted. <laughs> that was a good movie. I remember that when that first. I didn't really like the second one too much, but that first movie was pretty hilarious. Yeah, yeah. Oh man! All right, so we'll, let let's let's circle back around to Kickstarter stuff. Okay. Um, so you know, for for don't don't flip a ninja. You're going to have a four by four grid. You have yep. four life that you have to play with. Each player is going to get a single katana to play with. Um, and, and as you said, it's it's a memory-based thing. So as you flip cards and make matches or don't make matches. So if you make matches, an action will happen. You'll do a thing. Something will happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you make a match, cards flip back down again, and you just have to remember where stuff is at so you can make a good match to do something. Right. That's going to be helpful. Um, there's a, a separate board that shows the little ninja meeple trying to get to the castle to presumably assassinate someone because, you know, friggin' ninjas. Ninjas. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and then there's also a, a ninja jail. So 
uh, the the object is to prevent the ninjas from reaching the castle, and then you also your your other your win condition is to capture four ninjas and prevent them from you know doing their dastardly deeds. Um, exactly, you summed it up perfectly. You're hired. <laughs> it, it, it's for one to four players. It plays in about fifteen minutes. Um, it, it, endlessly replayable, right? Because every time you you set up your courtyard, your four by four grid, the cards that are going to flip are going to be different than before. Uh, so you're going to have a different random pattern that you're playing with, and yeah, exactly. uh, and and we'll forgive that it's co-op, right? Because that's not really my thing. But you know, mm -hmm. if you like a co-op game, then that's really cool. <laughs> but it's got ninjas in it. It does have ninjas, but no pirates, ironically. <laughs> Well, actually, my next game is a pirate game, so there you go. Can can pirate we play the two together? <laughs> I, I'm not going to stop you. Let's put it that way. The rules <laughs> might not mesh, but you can you can if you can figure it out, go for it. All right, maybe we could just like shuffle some of the pieces around. <laughs> Whatever works. If you're having right. a good time, if you're having a good time, you're doing it right. That's what I say. That's right. That's right. So if if that sounds like something interesting, it sounds like something you'd you'd want to check out. Please. Uh, there's links in the show notes. Check out the Kickstarter. It's only 16 bucks. It's free shipping. Uh, if you have kids, it's great for kids. If you're a hardcore gamer, but you need something that, that's going to function for a filler for you, it's also great for that. So please check that out. It's uh, it's going to ship like soon. Like, you know, money clears. We get stuff to the, to the printer and bam, you're going to get your game in like Less than two months, probably, or maybe two months. Yeah, Kickstarter funding and all that stuff. Well, uh, excuse me. Actually, the last Kickstarter I did, the, get the first game shipped less than three weeks after the campaign ended. Wow, that's crazy. <laughs> because I just had to wait for the funds to clear from Kickstarter. It's like a, I have. It's been a few years, but it really only takes doesn't take very long once it's complete. A couple then, of days, something yeah. like that. Yeah, and don't flip a ninja is even more prepared than that last game, so it could be faster than that. There you go. So please check that out. Do you have any uh, any other stuff you want to give us all your, your social media things and all that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, N20 Games on Facebook or on Twitter right now. Uh, we're building a website. Uh, we have we have the domain n20games.com. That's probably a couple of months down the line. Uh, but until then, Twitter and Facebook are probably the best spots to keep up with what we're doing. Cool. That's awesome. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. It was a, it was a pleasure to get you in. We w wish you had your camera working. <laughs> no, I can't believe it. I mean, they, I'm looking right now. My camera is working, but it's just not working in Hangouts. I'm disappointed, but what can you do? It is one of those, it's one of those that's the blessing and the curse of technology. <laughs> yeah, but it's been really fun. It's been fun to talk to you and everything. I'm, I'm glad we have actually just now finally gotten a chance to get to know each other a little bit better than just clicking on the heart and, you know, likes and replies. Right. <laughs> <laughs> jumping in the chat as we're uh, trying, playing games and watching the chat and kind of going back and forth. Yeah. Well, who knows? Maybe we'll game one of these days online. Oh, I'll take you up on that. Don't offer. <laughs> well, you know where to find me. Absolutely. That's cool. That's cool for sure. Um, so uh, we have a sponsor for this. So I'm going to do our end stuff here. Um, okay. So if you want to check out our sponsor, we have Birds of a Feather Coffee Company. Uh, Birds is a small uh, small batch craft coffee roaster. 
they have their own uh, brews that they have there. They have the Night Owl Blend, the Morning Lark, and the Hummingbird. Uh, but they also do the legendary brew. So if you are a coffee aficionado or you know someone, have someone in your life that is, please check that out. Uh, it's free shipping always. If you use the code LEGENDS10, you're going to get 10% off your order. I think it works on all of the brews, but if you order the legendary, uh, the legendary brew, we get a little bit of a kickback, and it's brewed by our own game master, Neil. Uh, you may love him, you may hate him, but he makes awesome coffee, so... <laughs> Please check that out. Um, obviously, you can find us on all of our social media things, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all those different things. So we hope that you like, share, subscribe, tell a friend, all that kind of stuff. It's super helpful. Reviews, also super helpful. Uh, it just helps to uh, boost the algorithms and get us noticed. So we hope that you will do that as well. And again, thanks to Carl for coming on. Obviously, the next time you've got something up, please don't hesitate to reach out and jump on with us again. I won't. I look forward to it. It'll be fun. I had awesome. a great time. Thanks. Cool. Thank you. And I want to thank everybody else out there for checking it out. And we'll catch you next time. This podcast is a proud member of the Legends of Tabletop broadcast network. For more gaming-related content, please visit www.legendsoftabletop.com.